Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of Sentience, All That Matters. Yes, this is the show where we discuss everything relating to living the vegan life. Everything relating to veganism, being vegan, being a vegan activist. If you're vegan curious, this is the place for you, where every week we will attempt to offer up subject matter and discussion to help you understand the right choice of being vegan for the animals. And no, I'm not a member of the church, so I won't be preaching at you. What I will be doing is giving you all the information you need and a good knowledge base to make you understand why you need to transition your life to a vegan one. As an animal lover, I hope that you find the information in these shows relevant to you and to help you break the disconnect that you may have with certain animals living on this planet with us. For those first-time listeners, a bit of housekeeping. You can find our Facebook page, Sentience All That Matters. You can go onto our TikTok, Activist269, to see what we've been up to, including street outreach, vigils, and sanctuary volunteering. You can visit our YouTube channel, Sentience ATM, where again you can see some of our street outreach, street theatre, and our Sussex 7 pig rescue documentary. And for those of you that are vegan curious and have some questions, you can always email us at sentienceatm at gmail.com with your questions and queries, and we'll try and include those in the show for you. It truly is a privilege for me to be able to outreach using this radio station. And I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Martina for putting all the work in that she does to promote such an amazing radio station. Hopefully I'm doing it justice. So our content for this week, as usual, we will have our animal rights hero, where we discuss somebody who has gone out of their way to work towards a better world for the animals. We will also have our thought of the day and our vegan news that we always pluck from the wonderful plant-based news and the vegan society. If you haven't yet had a chance to check out their content, please do so. Our main item this week will be the foie gras industry. We'll also be covering the hidden side of the fishing industry known as bycatch. So sit back, open your mind, and hopefully you'll learn something new about the planet you live on today. Yeah. 
de moitié on compte à demi demi pile sur un débat côté comme des origamis le bras tendu pareil cassé tout n'est qu'épié et clié ces enfants bizarres crachés dehors comme par hasard cachant l'effort dans le griffoir et une creepy song en étendard qui fait Welcome back. So let's get right into our first item, foie gras. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, foie gras, or the French for fat liver, is a speciality food made from the engorged liver of a duck or a goose. The amount of fat in the bird's liver at the time it is slaughtered is said to make the liver taste more rich and buttery. It is sold either as a whole liver or prepared into a pâté, parfait or mousse. France, by far, the largest producer and consumer of foie gras, and it is considered a delicacy in French cuisine. It is also sold in European countries, including the UK, as well as the US and China. So how is foie gras made? Well, to produce this expensive delicacy, the liver of a duck or goose must be specially fattened in time for slaughter in a process known as gavage. Every year in France, over 40 million ducks are forced into cages so small they can't even stretch their wings. Trapped and helpless, a metal tube is thrust down their throats and vast quantities of food are forcibly pumped into their stomachs so that their livers swell painfully up to 10 times its natural size. There is no escape and no respite. Birds in the foie gras industry are kept in tiny metal cages or crowded sheds where disease and injury run rife. Ducks are force-fed twice a day by having a pipe rammed down their throats for around 12 days in a row. Geese will have to endure this three times a day for around 17 days. Their oversized livers push on other organs causing many birds to have trouble even standing or breathing. Once their livers reach a sufficient size, the birds are typically slaughtered at 100 days for ducks and geese at 112 days. The suffering of these birds is so extreme it would be illegal in the UK. However, free trade laws mean that every year we import tons of these diseased livers marketed as an expensive delicacy. Britain is a driving force behind this cruel industry. For the millions of little female ducklings born in France, another horror awaits. Only male duck livers are used and therefore all female ducklings are tossed alive into electric mincers at just a few days old to obviously suffer a violent and horrific death. Their only crime is they don't put on weight as quickly as their brothers. This same process is prevalent in the egg industry as the male chicks 
in the egg industry are useless and are also thrown alive into an industrial macerator. The pain and suffering caused by foie gras production has no place in a civilized society. A number of countries and jurisdictions have outlawed force feeding and the production, import or sale of foie gras. Foie gras is illegal to produce in the UK due to the horrendous nature of its production, but sadly, it is not illegal to import it or sell it. Due to pressure from animal rights groups and the general public, major supermarkets in the UK no longer sell foie gras. However, it is still imported and sold in some high-end restaurants and certain upmarket online stores and supermarkets. In 2009, Fortnum and Mason agreed to stop selling foie gras made from duck's liver. However, to date, they still sell it made from geese liver. Harrods, however, decided that they would continue to sell foie gras produced from both types of birds. It would seem the taste buds of the elite don't require them to consider the animal that's being tortured for their simple taste sensation. So there you have it, the absolutely disgraceful backstory behind foie gras. And now you know, you know. It's up to you to make the connection and it's up to you to decide whether you really think that contributing to such a vile industry is something that you want to be participating in. Talking of participating, if you wish to get involved in the campaigns to end foie gras, Viva currently have multiple email and online campaigns running, including trying to persuade Gordon Ramsay to dump foie gras and asking Harrods and Fortnum and Mason and similar high-end stores to drop the torture product from their shop floors. So just a big thank you to the Viva website for the information that you've just listened to. The Viva website is truly one of the most amazing platforms to look into every aspect of animal rights. Okay, so obviously apart from the huge ethical and animal rights violation issues that go hand in hand with something like foie gras. Do we not just sit back and ask ourselves for just one second, who on earth would possibly come up with the concept of shoving a steel tube down a duck's throat and force feeding to engorge the liver? I mean, really do we actually need to know any more than that particular item to understand that this is so horrendously wrong and there's no place for this in a civilized society again we seem to have this arbitrary line when it comes to the animal kingdom on one side of the line animals that we'll love name and protect and on the other side of the line, animals that the world seems more than happy to decimate and desecrate and put through the horror shows that we see today. Why is this? And where did this all come from? And this is why the expression breaking the disconnect is so important. And please remember, all of this pain, torture and destruction simply for a taste sensation. We're not even talking survival. We're talking about one taste over another. And I am sorry to say, but if you truly believe that a taste sensation is worth more than somebody's life, then you do need to recheck your moral compass and your life ethics. Drop me on my head 
Okay, it's vegan news time for you. And as we record this show, Animal Rising are currently demonstrating outside the grounds of the Aintree Racecourse at the Grand National. Yes, Animal Rising, previously known as Animal Rebellion, are there highlighting the horror show that is horse racing. In the UK alone, A racehorse dies every two to three days, with this year's Grand National being no exception. Envoy Special, who is being ridden by James King, died after falling in the Fox Hunters chase on the first day. So Animal Rising out there, highlighting why we can't seem to enjoy the animals we share this planet with without exploiting them for money in one form or another. In the meantime, in an attempt to curtail the activities of Animal Rising, Merseyside Police have made multiple arrests during the morning, attempting to remove the organisers from the demonstration. But with the main race not on till later on today, and a large amount of land with open access, it's only a matter of time before activists 
make it onto the track. Unfortunately, in a time where meetings with those in power come to no avail, activists are left with no choice but to carry out non-violent actions to get the message out there and Animal Rising certainly have. The news coverage throughout the day in multiple multimedia channels has been nothing but the activism at the Aintree racetrack. This coverage will ultimately lead to an open public discussion on this another example of cruel animal exploitation for human benefit. In other news, activists occupy pig gassing machines at Australian slaughterhouses. Animal activists from Farming Transparency Project have occupied machines used to gas pigs at a slaughterhouse in North Victoria, Australia. It's thought that 30 people entered Benalla slaughterhouse in the early hours of Thursday morning. They then chained themselves to the machines, which paralyzed pigs with a high concentration of carbon dioxide or CO2. Some activists also gained access to the roof of the building, while others stood outside with placards. Police attended the scene and attempted to remove activists from the machines by cutting the chains. FTP Executive Director Chris Delforce told Plant Based News that seven people, including himself, were arrested and charged with trespass. They have now been released on bail and are due to appear in court later this year. This is just the latest action in FTP's campaign to get such gassing machines banned. It comes weeks after Delforce hid inside the top of the machine, where pigs are lowered to their deaths. They filmed their final moments. He stayed there hidden while pigs were killed, and his footage showed pigs squealing and thrashing in apparent distress before losing consciousness. The slaughterhouse provides pig meat to a number of well-known brands, including Australia's largest supermarket change, wool chains, Woolworths and Coles. After the footage was released, Woolworths said it would examine the circumstances surrounding this footage. Coles claimed to be committed to working with suppliers who have animal welfare standards that meet their high expectations. Just in case you don't know, carbon dioxide is used as a means to stun pigs before slaughter in many parts of the world. It's a popular method and has been labelled humane by bodies including the RSPCA. Some have noted, however, that its popularity could be due to its ability to render a number of pigs unconscious in a relatively short amount of time. CO2 gassing is widely considered by many to be inhumane and cruel. The gas forms a carbonic acid on wet surfaces it touches, including pigs' eyes, lungs and throats. Experts have previously said that this means they effectively burn from the inside out. Personally, if like me, you've ever been to a slaughterhouse and heard pigs screaming, I think it should be a requirement that before eating any pig products, you should be forced to listen to them screaming. It is one of the most bone-chilling sounds you will ever hear. Moving on to food production globally, Plant-Based News reports that animal meat and milk sales drop in Europe as vegan versions hit records high. Sales of vegan products are soaring as demand for animal protein stalls. The Good Food Institute Europe reports that sales of plant-based foods across 13 European nations amounted to 5.7 billion dollars, sorry, euros in 2022. The figure represents a 22% increase since 2020, with vegan meat alternatives being a major contributor. Alongside dairy-free cheese and vegan seafood products saw significant growth from increased consumer demand. Comparatively, some animal protein categories experienced reduced sales figures. Countries included in the sales analysis were Austria, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Sweden and the UK. In a detailed report, GFI Europe 
reveals that vegan meat products saw a 21% increase in unit sales from 2020 to 22. Plant milk generated a 20% uplift. During the same period, animal-based meat and milk sales dropped by 8 and 9% respectively. Non-dairy cheese also enjoyed vast growth as the market diversified to include more vegan cheese brands and products than ever before the sector reached a total market value of 144 million euros representing a 102 percent increase in sales between 2020 and 22 it eclipsed conventional cheeses growth by more than 10 times similarly unit sales for plant-based yogurt increased by 16 percent while conventional yogurt fell by 4%. Some of the most significant figures came from the alternative seafood sector, which saw its unit sales grow by 343% in the two-year period. However, the vegan seafood market remains, according to GFI Europe, the least developed area of plant-based food. Despite vast growth, only 43 million euros in sales were recorded. For comparison, plant milk generated 2.21 billion euros last year alone. Increased sales were also identified across the plant-based cream, ice cream and meal product categories. The latter saw a 79% rise in sales. And apparently us vegan activists are changing nothing. Tying in with our first piece on foie gras, New York City's foie gras ban, first approved in 2019, is being challenged by the New York State Department of Agriculture and Markets. Due to begin last year, the ban would have seen the sale of foie gras prohibited in the most populous city in the United States. However, duck and geese farmers are driving a fresh bid to have it overturned. Taking their fight to state level, the manufacturers Hudson Valley and Labelle secured a state Supreme Court injunction against the New York City ban. At the same time, the New York State Department of Agriculture and Markets referred to the incoming ban as unreasonably restrictive and sought to challenge its legitimacy. Foie gras farmers claim that the ban will significantly reduce their income. Hudson Valley Vice President Marcus Henley cites figures of up to 25% costing them $6.25 million a year. The injunction has now set off a chain of events including a fresh lawsuit filed by New York City. In its legal papers, the city claims that farmers are exaggerating the impact on their livelihoods. This given that they are free to sell foie gras anywhere else and manufacture other items. What's another amazing example of human beings prepared to torture another sentient being for profit even though the majority of decent people have already committed to banning it and we'll end this week's news section on an amazing win for plant-based news their petition for mandatory slaughterhouse lessons in schools gains traction the uk petition maintains that children should be taught about where their food comes from the petition urging the UK government to introduce mandatory lessons on animal slaughter in schools has reached a thousand signatures. It's part of a campaign named Pepper is Bacon. The initiative was created in response to the fact that the reality of meat production tends to be intentionally hidden from children. This is despite young people's natural inclination to protect the animals they are unknowingly eating. The campaign is spearheaded by Plant-Based News co-founder Robbie Lockie. They worked on it in conjunction with Matthew Hindman, creative director of Shape History Scotland. It is crucial that, at an appropriate age, children are taught about the sources of their meals, the journey from farm to table, and the ethical considerations of animal welfare, Lockie said in a statement. This knowledge will not only foster a deeper understanding of the world around them, but also empower them to make informed decisions about their own consumption choices, leading to a more compassionate and sustainable future for all. Hindman added that kids have a deep and innate curiosity and love for animals, and that they are given an inanimate piece of pork or bacon without really realizing that it was once a living creature. 
Then over time, they become desensitized to this truth and live a life consuming animals without any thought or compassion. Each year in the UK, around 1.2 billion land animals are slaughtered for food. The vast majority, 85%, are raised in intensive conditions on factory farms. This petition highlights that 1 million pigs are killed each month. This in particular may shock children, many of whom grow up watching the popular television show Peppa Pig. UK residents are being urged to sign to empower children with knowledge and compassion so they can make informed choices for a better future. If you would like to sign the petition, please go to plantbasednews.org, click the link and follow through the form. So credit to the plant-based news website for this week's news items and even more credit to them for the amazing petition and remember when that hits a hundred thousand signatures it will have to be discussed in parliament when we come back it's time for this week's animal rights hero Okay, so let's move on to this week's animal rights hero. And this week, the hero is the amazing Alex Lockwood. In 1991, 17-year-old Alex was flipping through the Guardian weekend magazine in his family's car en route to a family Sunday roast when he spotted an image that changed his life forever. A harpooned whale, its body bloodied and lifeless, drew him to a feature about its killing. Alex states, that picture just shook me. It seemed so wrong. When I got to my nan's house, it hit me that the roast on the table was an animal that had also been killed. He became vegetarian, then vegan, and nearly three decades later, is one of the founding members of Extinction Rebellion's sister organization, Animal Rebellion. Animal Rebellion has recently transitioned and renamed to Animal Rising and Alex co-organised 
the now infamous blockade of London's Smithfield Meat Market, Britain's largest meat distribution market. A renowned and respected writer and lecturer, Alex's passion for animal rights has led him to be involved with and co-organise multiple large national actions with Animal Rising and I had the amazing personal pleasure of spending time with him last September when we spearheaded the Farmer Dialogue Tour in conjunction with Kerry Waters from Viva Farming. Alex states, my work sits at the intersection of food, animals and storytelling. As I explore the ways in which we understand and talk about food systems, food animals, plant-based futures and fairer, healthier ways to live on this planet. For the past 12 months, Alex has been commissioned by the Vegan Society to write a major new report on the policy for a plant-based food system, interviewing over 40 experts from farmers to policymakers. He's particularly interested in examining and dismantling the polarisation that exists across the political and social spheres and that obstructs us working to build a better food system together. He states the tired vegan versus farmer narrative, much loved by the tabloid media, only gets in the way of people who 80% agree on most things. We need to sit down at a table together if we are to find ways to tackle the climate, soil and health emergencies we collectively face. I'm more interested in vegan meets farmer than vegan fights farmer. So for all your phenomenal work in the animal rights movement, Alex Lockwood, you are this week's animal rights hero. And if you'd like to know more about Alex Lockwood or read any of his books like The Chernobyl Privileges, simply go online and do a Google search of his name. Okay, so just before we move on to our last main item, gonna throw a little wild card in here for you just to get you thinking. So, out in the streets doing outreach, a lot of the time the reasons people will give you for not wanting to go vegan is the highly processed vegan foods that are on the market. People seem to think or be under the impression that these foods are stuffed full of chemicals that will do more harm to their bodies than good. And for some reason, there seems to be a belief that if foods don't come from an animal base, then they are somehow less healthy and dangerous to consume. So just for a bit of balance here, here are some examples of things that you may consume on a daily or weekly basis and just exactly what they are made up from. So did you know, for example, chewing gum is made of a resin, wax, and elastoma. The composition of chewing gum consists of a gum base or gum core, which may or not be coated. The gum base is composed of an insoluble resin, elastomers, emulsifiers, fillers, waxes, and softeners. They also add sweeteners and flavoring chemical agents to your chewing gum. Moving on to the nation's favorite, crisps. Crisps often contain the chemical acrylamide, which has been linked to cancer. It arises in certain foods because of a chemical reaction when they are cooked at high temperature. Acrylamide forms when foods like potatoes and cereals become crispy and brown. And finally on this list for your delectation, chicken nuggets are known to contain sodium aluminium phosphate, monocalcium phosphate, sodium acid phyrophosphate and calcium lactate. These chemicals are used to keep the animal flesh and vegetable fats from turning rancid. So my question to you would be, do you still really think that you can ignore processed vegan foods because of the supposed 
chemical construction or are you simply looking for a reason not to engage it's a kind of magic it's a kind of magic a kind of magic one dream one soul one prize one goal one golden glance of what should be it's a kind of magic one shot Let's get into our final topic this week, the bycatch created by the fishing industry. So for those of you that don't know what I mean by bycatch. So bycatch is the incidental capture of non-target species such as dolphins, marine turtles and seabirds. Thousands of miles of nets and lines are set in the world's oceans each day 
Modern fishing gear, often undetectable by sight and extremely strong, is very efficient at catching the desired fish species as well as anything else in its path. A staggering amount of marine life, including turtles, dolphins, juvenile fish, are hauled up within the catch and then discarded overboard, dead or dying. Despite new technologies and industry recognition of the issue, bycatch is still a major problem. Not only does it cause avoidable deaths and injuries, but the fishing methods can be harmful to the marine environments where they are employed. As fishing gear is largely non-selective, long lines, trawling and the use of gill nets are the fishing methods that most commonly result in bycatch. Long lining is a commercial fishing method commonly targeting swordfish, tuna and halibut where hundreds or thousands of baited hooks hang at intervals along a single fishing line. The hooks, commonly known as J-hooks, cause problems for marine turtles when swallowed, usually resulting in their deaths. Sharks, non-targeted billfishes and juvenile tunas are also often hooked as well. With trawling, boats drag large nets along the seabed, catching almost everything in their path. They can damage coral reefs and at shallow depths catch marine turtles. Gill nets are mesh nets that allow fish to pass their heads and gill coverings through a hole in the mesh and then get stuck when they try to back out. They can be several miles long and up to 100 feet deep. Bycatch occurs because the nets also trap everything larger than the net's mesh, which includes juvenile fish, sharks, seabirds, marine turtles, cetaceans, whales, dolphins, the nets are very hard to see, blending in perfectly with the water and difficult for cetaceans to detect by echolocation. Gill nets that are lost at sea are rarely recovered and can capture marine animals for many years after. The impacts of bycatch are truly staggering. It is estimated that over 300,000 small whales, dolphins, and porpoises die from entanglement in fishing nets each year, making this the single largest cause of mortality for small cetaceans. Species such as the vaquita from the Gulf of California and Maui's dolphin from New Zealand face extinction if the threat of unselective fishing gear is not eliminated. Hundreds of thousands of endangered loggerhead turtles and critically endangered leatherback turtles drown annually on long lines set for tuna, swordfish and other fish. Incidental capture of turtles by long lines, trawls and gill nets is the single greatest threat to the survival of most populations. One study has shown 62 of the 110 species of sharks and rays in the Portuguese waters are under threat from bycatch. Portugal has the EU's third highest number of shark and ray catches after Spain and France, with up to 1.5 million animals estimated to be captured annually. Altogether, EU member states have the second highest share of recorded shark and ray catches in the world. There are over 1200 known species of sharks, rays and chimeras and they are known to play key roles in the balance of marine ecosystems and thus for the people who depend on a healthy and resilient ocean. Yet despite their importance, an estimated 100 million sharks and rays are killed by bycatch worldwide each year. As a result, over a quarter of the world's species are currently under threat. Added to this, tens of thousands of sea turtles each year die at the hands of just small-scale fishermen off the coast of South America. Surveys at 43 harbours in Ecuador, Peru and Chile revealed gillnet fisheries catch more than 46,000 turtles per year. And despite industry-created labels such as dolphin-safe tuna 
approximately a thousand dolphins die as bycatch just in the eastern tropical Pacific tuna fishery area each year also. BirdLife International Group estimates that at least 300,000 seabirds drown on longline hooks every single year, including tens of thousands of albatrosses. It is known at least 10 species of seabirds die as part of bycatch via UK vessels. The endangered northern fulmer and the common guillemot are caught most frequently with thousands estimated being killed by UK vessels each year alone. Diving birds like guillemots don't see nets as they hunt underwater, become entangled and drown, whilst fulmers get trapped when they try to take food from baited hooks. So as you can see, it is not only important to stop fishing to save the lives of the fish that you intended to catch, but hundreds of thousands if not millions of further animals are dying just as an incidental to the industry. So there we go, bycatch. Another great way to understand the disconnect 
is you all like videos where somebody is pushing or pulling a shark back into the sea that has been beached and then off they go to eat their tuna sandwich which has been using a net which is killing thousands of sharks a year so just open your mind for one moment and just get that connection there so moving on to this week's thought of the day and there's a wonderful saying out there that I love and it really really does ring quite true and that saying is that you are one-fifth of the five closest people you hang out with and you will all start to take on and assimilate parts of each other's characteristics and thought processes. It's so important that our influences come from a place of love and kindness and that the people around you have the ability to celebrate your wins as if they were their own and equally be there to help you up when you fall. Surround yourself with people that want nothing from you but your friendship and your company and you won't go far wrong. It can be a daunting thought to change your friendship circle but it is ultimately the best long-term strategy to create good mental health, a feeling of love and support, and to be able to thrive in the knowledge that people are there to have your back, not for any hidden agenda. And always stay true to yourself. And on that broccoli bombshell, we've gone and run out of time again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Until next week, this one's just for you. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds collided And they could never tear us apart Yeah.